Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Holyrood podcast brought to you in partnership with The Wise Group, a leading social enterprise which works to lift people out of poverty. On this edition of the podcast, I'm joined by Wise Group Chief Executive Sean Duffy and SNP MSP Rona Mackay, a member of Holyrood's Criminal Justice Committee. We'll discuss Scotland's prison population, which remains stubbornly high, and how people leaving prison can be best rehabilitated and supported so that they don't end up reoffending. Sean, I'd like to come to you first, and I wonder if you could tell me a bit about the work um, that the WISE Group is doing in the field of criminal justice and, and why it's so necessary. Yeah, certainly. Uh, you know, the WISE Group has a, has a long, a long history within the criminal justice sphere. Um, within Scotland, we lead the National Through Care Service, uh, which is called New Roots. It's been funded by the Scottish government for the last seven years. Um, and if you look at the last reported figures on that, up until uh, March 2021, um, we supported just over 1,500 people uh, who were eligible um, out of incarceration, and I think that's the the, the, the I think the, the, the key thing there is that, that we have a national through care service in Scotland focused on rehabilitation um, and and really focused on the nine identified needs. Uh, that people require to be supported and as they leave incarceration, things like housing, benefits, physical and mental health, relationships, substance misuse, um, linking the the the, the user the, the service users to other services um, that we do in terms of counselling, uh, cognitive behavioural therapy, employability support, energy advice, advocacy. It truly is a, a kind of wraparound person-centred uh, support mechanism and what what these are these these are these are focused these services are focused at those who are serving short term sentences so largely those those less than four years. And Rona, I mean the the, the Scottish prison population is there's been a long standing uh, problem with with the size of the population and I think Scotland has one of the highest um, rates of imprisonment across across Europe. What what can we do to try and to try and reduce the size of the prison population. Why is it important, do you think, that, that we do so? Yeah, you're right, Chris. We, we have a horrendous um, prison population. I think at the moment there's just over 8,000 um, uh, people in prison or on remand um, in prison. And the capacity in our 15 prisons is about 7,700. So you can see from that that we're we're at, at capacity or over capacity. Um, so it's, it, it's super important that we, we manage to get that figure down. Um, I, I think, um, you know, I think the answer lies in alternatives to custody. Um, you know, what the Scottish government introduced a presumption against short sentences, um, you know, which is a start. But um, we need to absolutely look at prevention um, and we need to look at, um, you know, different ways of um, dealing with offenders, which and I think, as we all know, is, is a very complex subject. You know, the reason why people end up... Um, in prison is, is, is there's no single reason it's a whole myriad of reasons um and i think um the work that sean's group does is is absolutely key and, and invaluable i mean I'm, I'm a huge supporter of the wise group um and i think that the um you know a whole new sort of look at um how we treat offending and offenders um is what we need and we are the government does recognize that we launched um the uh, vision for justice in Scotland a couple of months ago, and it very much focuses on alternatives to custody and just basically a different way of doing things. Because clearly, 
we cannot this we cannot go on as we are because um it, it, prison doesn't work i mean it doesn't work it should be there to keep people safe if there's a, an element of risk to the public obviously there are still going to be um people who will uh, need to be held in custody for public safety reasons um but we, we need to we need to be um a bit more forward thinking i think now and um you know, I'm sure Sean will go on to explain, you know, further about the ways that the WISE group and the Third Centre are absolutely key to this working. Um, you know, otherwise we we will um, we won't succeed in our vision. Sean, a lot of people listening to this might think, you know, if, if somebody's uh, in prison, they de- they deserve to be there. Uh, if they've committed a crime, you know, they they, they should go to prison and, and, and do the time for that offence. But why why is there a bigger societal benefit to to reducing the number of people that go into prison in the first place? I think I think Rona Rona touched on it very elegantly there, um, and, and saying you know prison doesn't work. Um, prison is effectively a loss of liberty. It's not rehabilitation, uh, and I think that's an important thing to think about. I mean, I think one of the things I mean, there's evidence. There's you know Scottish government evidence, independent academic evidence to show that. That community-based sentences are far far less likely to uh, produce reoffending than than custodial sentences. And if you think about just the, you know the concept of being in custody, um, you know it's the, the time a prisoner spends in custody. There's no rehabilitative or purposeful activity undertaken largely during that time. So you're not doing what we're doing through the the through care service, where we're, we're working on the identified needs. Um, of that person that may have led them to that that, that situation where they've, they've offended, you know, and, and I, I kind of outline them again. It's you know their health in general or their mental health, their addiction status, um, education and training needs, um, employment, relationships, finance, housing, you know, just their general attitude and behaviours. These are all the things that the population that occupies Scotland's prisons, uh, prison estates, require support in. And you know, and, and that's it. Really, is is such an important, such an important consideration. The impact of incarceration is huge on your employment and your employment status, on your family relationships, and the, and and the you know the, the, the impact on on children, on spouses, on the wider family, and um, on your accommodation, and on your mental health. So, the punishment of incarceration goes far beyond the loss of liberty. Yeah, I mean, uh, Rona touched on the sort of alternatives to custody, and there's been a, a lot said over the past few years about the sort of evidence that shows that short sentences don't work, and 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 community alternatives are are actually much better at reducing reoffending. So, why are we still sending so many people to prison, Sean? It's, it's a difficult one to answer. I mean, I I suppose from my perspective, it's because we're very good at it, um, and 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 what, I I don't say that glibly. If you think about it. We've actually set, the system has been designed and set up to work very effectively at incarceration. You know, you can, you know, generalising here, you can misbehave on a Friday, uh, Friday evening, spend the weekend um, in custody with 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 the local police, being being caught on Monday morning and and potentially being a prison cell on Thursday. If you try and reverse that cycle, it's much more difficult, and it won't happen as quickly. Um, mm-hmm. And it's. I, I think the. I think one of the things that you know Rona touched on very eloquently is is is, is really getting getting comfortable with the, the the notion of alternatives to custody. 
you know, custody shouldn't be the default position for offending. And in, in, in some cases, it actually should be the exception to the rule. It should be when there's no other alternatives available, then custody is the only alternative. But it shouldn't be the first one. Rora, is the, is, the, is the system too sort of geared to, towards, uh, as, as Sean says, you know, it's quite uh, efficient at, at, at putting people into custody. Is it, is it too sort of set up with that mindset at the moment, do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with Sean 100%. Of course it is. Um, and, you know, the, you know, just, just some, some of the stats, you know, two, two in five people arrested have got mental health issues. You know, there's a disproportionate number of care-experienced um, people in prison. Um, you know, everyone now has heard of um, ACEs, adverse childhood experiences. So if you've got four or more of them, you're 15 times likely to be in prison um, and to be perpetrator of, of violence. So, you know, we, we know what's causing people to end up in in the justice system. And, you know, I mean, Sean's right, it's just a centuries-old um, tradition to sort of, you know, you know, arrest people and get get them locked up um you know it's 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 what it's what we do it's and it's what we've been doing for centuries that doesn't mean it needs to continue and I, and I'm really pleased that um you know that the government is now um a uh, realizing that and and just looking at you know some form of transformation which of course won't happen overnight um and then there is an element of the fact that you know <laughs> there traditionally has not been enough um you know you know, alternatives to custody and, 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 and you know, money in the system, it all comes down to money eventually to actually um, do the alternatives. And I think, you know, finally, um, we're getting there with coming around to thinking, well, you know, if it's going to change, we have to resource it properly. I mean, the other thing is, I mean, I'm a great believer in looking at um, good practice elsewhere. And there is a, internationally, there are problem solving courts, which are very successful. And they work by bringing together the, the authorities of the court and um, a, the, the services necessary to reduce reoffending. And those services, as Sean, as Sean has said, are things like housing, employment, and, and, and all the things that, you know, that just that we, we would take for granted um, that when a, a prisoner is released from custody, has lost and doesn't have. And... Um, in Parliament, I'm the convener of a, the cross-party group on families, women and justice. Um, and it affects, you know, incarceration infects, infects families, not just the person that's incarcerated, it's the whole family. And for women, it's disastrous, you know, um, because very often they're in uh, for very low-level offences. Um, and for a, a myriad of reasons, many are, so many are victims of domestic abuse have addiction problems or mental health problems, and prison just isn't going to help that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you imagine locking up so many people or remanding so many people with you know, a multitude of problems, putting them all in the same place, how is that ever going to work? Um, so that's why I think you know, radical transformation is, is definitely needed. And and yeah, all the you know, despite all the things you mentioned, there's still this kind of ongoing political narrative about being tough on crime and 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 to to a lot of people that that just equates with with sending people to prison. I mean, does does that frustrate you that a lot of the evidence that shows that that prison doesn't work and that the alternatives that can be more effective that 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 hasn't really got through to the wider public? I think I think if I hear the term soft justice one more time from certain <laughs> political parties, I'll, I'll scream. You know, um, yes, of course, of course it does. It, it, you know, all that sort of narrative feeds into um, the public thinking um, 
we must be kept safe. But you know, it's it's our job to to convince them that there are um, viable alternatives, and the, and the public safety, of course, is the number one consideration. But people, um, you know, if you're not involved in something, you don't pay much attention to. It. You just look at the headline, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I think a lot of people um, are just sort of you know thinking, oh, this is this is going to be all these you know um, violent people going to be running around, and of course that's not the case. Um, but I think, you know, if, if people take time to look at it um, and think about it rationally, I think they would realise that, you know, the time that prison, that prison just, just doesn't work. And it's a revolving door for too many people. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sean, there's a particular concern at the moment about the number of people being held on remand. Could you tell the people that are listening, you know, exactly what, what it means to be held on remand for people that don't maybe know and, and, and why that position is, is so bad at the moment? Well, I think I think the, the the thing that I think about people being held on remand is they're there without any charge at that point. Um, so you've actually lost your liberty, having not yet been found guilty or charged for that matter. And 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 it's it's quite interesting the mental health impact of being held on remand and then not going on to be found guilty is that you've actually paid a price for something you haven't you haven't been found guilty of. Um, and the, the, remand, the remand figures are, 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 are quite stark when you look at the overall, there's a percentage of the overall population, I think the last one's a silver, circa 20% um, of the overall prison population. So it's, it's again, it's the, the alternatives to custody. Even when you haven't been convic- yet convicted or convicted, you're still being put in a custodial um, environment. And again, there are alternatives to that. Now, we shouldn't, I think, just to, just to make a point here, we shouldn't uh, overlook um, and, consider, and not consider victim protection here. It's really important that the victim protection is, is, in, this, is in this dialogue because it's not an either-or. There's no, there, it's not polar opposites of the, of the argument. You know, and, and you can, in, in, a, in, a, in a, I suppose, in a... A community-based setting have you know electronic monitoring. You can have exclusion zones. There are things that you can put in place to support to make sure that the, the you know any, any victims or, 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 or proposed victims um, aren't, aren't unduly threatened at all. Um, so so that doesn't come in here. But just get, just get back. I just want to get back to one thing that you know Rona touched on earlier on. And you said why is it that we we continue to talk about justice in the way that we do? There's a cultural dialogue around about justice that needs to change. And, and you've touched on it and, you know, I'll give you an example that most people will identify with. It comes around every year. We come to Christmas time and we have, a, we have an obsession with reporting on the fact that prisoners in jail get to, to, get to eat Christmas dinner. Um, and we, we, we report on their, their, their menu. Uh, and, and it's a source of, you know, and then you just need to read the, you just need to read the comments in some news sites about it, you know, um, Mm-hmm. And yet, we, you know, we, we continually project that. We seem to project, you know, we talk about lags, criminals, um, you, know, the, you know, and most often, and, and, and it's a difficult one to talk about, but most often we're talking about the most vulnerable and marginalised in society. Yes, they've, they, yes they've, they've, they've committed a crime. But as, as Rona said, it's, it's, it's a staggering um, fact of the amount of people that come out of our, our care system and end up in the prison system. You know, so and, and we, we seem we seem to we seem to either be uncomfortable recognizing that or talking about it um, to intervene. 
Because actually, lots of times you're looking at people who end up in the justice system who have had, have had very little chance in life in advance of that. And then we go on to punish them and stigmatise them and their families, not just through the loss of liberty, but post um, post being liberated in terms of the way that you know the disclosure system works and, and the way that they're viewed and employment and insurance, etc. So there's a whole cultural dialogue around about justice that needs to change. I mean, one of the things that Scotland's kind of uh, rightly hailed for and, and been quite successful in has, has been the sort of changing the dialogue around violence and the, the work of the Violence Reduction Unit and, and moving that from a kind of um, criminal justice sphere to a public public health sphere. I mean, do you, do you think we can do something similar with um, incarceration, Sean? I, 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 you know, interestingly enough, I spent um, the end of last week with Nevin Rennie from the Violence Reduction Unit, and Nevin and I, Nevin and I um, talk a lot, and, and we talked about this very thing. Um, now, we, we, we must look back through the, you know, the VRU when, it, you know, when Sir Willie Ray basically said something has to change, and he started it off in 2003, and it didn't happen overnight, and there was lots of barriers and lots of resistance to it. Um, there are signs that we are beginning to look at the... I suppose the, the, the justice fears through a public health um, lens, but we need to do it much more broadly. Um, and you know, what, when we look at the, the, the National Through Care Service and the way in which mentoring and identified needs is applied there, we can apply that much further upstream so that you know, at the point where antisocial behavior is beginning to show, um, show prevalence in someone before it becomes criminality, so at the moment we're dealing with it when it's become criminality. Let's deal with it before it becomes criminality. Uh, Rora, you, you you touched on the issue of um, adverse childhood experiences, and uh, you know, obviously, as, as someone that works in the media myself, I've 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 come across that concept, but I've also come across some of the the coverage that that Sean talks about. Uh, you know, um, prisoners. Um, you know, why why should they get Christmas dinners and that kind of thing? How do we start? Uh, getting this idea of the, the childhood experiences uh, to sort of wider um, population. And also, a, a lot of people might say, well, you know, I had uh, adverse childhood experiences when I was growing up. I didn't necessarily end up offending and and, uh, and, and, and ending up in prison. So, so, so what do you say to people who, who argue that? Yeah, no, no, you, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, I mean, it, it does take time. I, I Before I was elected in 2016, I was a children's um, panel member. And, you know, our training was excellent, but I don't actually remember, you know, hearing about ACEs. That wasn't part of it. Um, you know, we were, I guess we were trauma aware that, you know, most of the, the children that we saw had, had, had something happen in their background. But it was all very hazy. And it wasn't really until I was elected um, that, you know, it became much more. Well, I learned much more about it. Let's just say, and then, and then it's it's become, in some ways, it's become a wee bit of a buzzword. Um, you know, and I think we need to be careful of that, because um, although prison staff and and and, and most professions now are um, um trauma aware or, or trauma informed, um, you know, the, the minute you you, you take a, a say a child into a secure unit or or, or a prison. But that's another ace because you're actually locking them up. You know, I mean that. So you've you've got to be very careful. It's 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 um, it's it's um, yeah. It's a it's a very a very complex um situation. But um, but we, but thankfully um, we professionals and the public know much more about it now. And and I just hope that you know it may, may be a slightly long process um before they absolutely accept 
accept that you know the reason the reasons for people ending up in prison and some people never will um mm. but i think um you know again i think and the media have a lot to, to do with that um as well i, I come from a, a newspaper background and um i was speaking to um a former national newspaper editor about this this kind of thing and you know he was saying that um you know, he was very guilty of, of running these stories about lags and, you know, Christmas dinners and flat screen tellies and all that um, until he went into a prison and actually experienced that, you know, the atmosphere. And it's not about all these other things. It's about the fact that that person has no freedom, you know. And um, and it's just, it's actually pretty horrible. I don't know, you know, if I've been in a lot of prisons through the, uh, being on the Justice Committee, and uh, yeah, they're they're not pleasant places. I mean, they, they they may look on the surface the newer ones certainly look better than the old Victorian prisons at like Berlini and all the rest. I mean, that's just, they're just horrific. The new ones look nicer, but at the end of the day, they're doing exactly the same function. They're, they are you know depriving people of their liberty. Um, so I, th- I think it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a slow process and very much a cultural change, as, as Sean has said. Um, and and we need to we need to be a bit patient with that. But we do need the buy-in of the legal profession, um, which is can always be a wee bit tricky. Um, we do need to to get them to to come on board and say, yeah, let's let's look at this differently, and we don't have to keep doing what we've been doing and locking people up. Um, Sean, you you mentioned at the start the um, Wise Group's new roots uh, scheme. Can you, can you talk a bit bit more about that and, and the impact that it's had on on reoffending? Yeah, as I say, it's um it's the the National Through Care Service. Um, it's a public social partnership with the, the Scottish government. Uh, the Wise Group lead it, and we've got fantastic partners in Sacro, families outside, um, Apex, and 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 Sam H. And really, what that's what that's managed to achieve, I mean, the, the as I said the, previously, out of the 1,650 eligible uh, participants in, in 2020, 2021, and those are those are short-term prisoners, male, serving less than four years typically, with 1,500 who we worked with on programme. Now, our re-offending rate, our re-offending rate, the re-offending rate on the programme, um, of those complete within the first year, is 8%. The national re-offending rate is north of twenty five percent, and when you think about the the impact, and you know, and this is that, that's a very low reoffending rate. And you think about the impact, the positive impact on communities and family units and and, and individuals uh, at that level is huge. The, the benefit to the public purse, you know, it's you know, it's, it's circa thirty five thousand pounds, if not more, to to incarcerate someone per annum. You know, so the difference between that eight percent and not that north of twenty five percent these points is huge. You know, it's millions of pounds. Even just at a transactional level, but we've been doing that for say the, the best part of um, seven years now, um, and it's it's you know, one of the things that, that that we we find really makes it gives it an additional level of value now is we've managed to find a, a an equilibrium in terms of how we approach it from a mentoring perspective, and circa half of our colleagues have experience of the circumstances which people that we're supporting are, are actually um, have come come through. So they're, they're, they're talking from a position of experience um, and trust. So, and this is not this is no no disrespect or denigration of the statutory services, but it's not a it's, it's someone who sat in their seat, stood in their shoes, walked their path, mm-hmm. and has got got professional expertise alongside that to to help them find their route 
out of this. And most often, it's about you know the things that that, that Rona talked about. Um, it's the things that have happened. You know, if you look behind the offence, you'll find the reasons. You'll find the reasons behind the offence, and those those behavioural reasons can be worked on and can be changed. What doesn't happen in a custodial sentence is those behavioural reasons being worked on. They're left to they're left to fester, if you like, you know, and and in some cases be amplified, you know, and that's where that cultural dialogue piece comes in. You know, what you're doing is you're you're you're, you're looking at you're looking at this through the, the the lens of compassion, in a way, and it's not it's not it's not excusing what's happened. It's just putting the work in to make sure that it's that it's 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 uh, it's not it's not it's not amplified or or, or 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 reoccurring again. And you know, just to a point there. That's when bail comes in, and you know, and bail on demand. Um, and when and when you think about that, you know, really, refusal of bail should only really come into play when there's a threat to public safety. Mm-hmm. You know, out with that, then we should be looking at how we can support people to keep them out of the prison setting and work on work on work on them and work on the on their situation. I mean, a lot of the people that are ending up in in prison do they do they have similar uh, sort of similar traumas and similar roots that have brought them into prison, or or is it something that's just so multivaried that it's kind of difficult for the prison th- authorities to 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 get a grip get a grip, get a grip on? You know, Rona touched on aces, and and they they, they I think there's a, there's a much greater awareness you know especially even in, even in our police service now there's a much greater awareness of that in the police service when they're they're attending an event whatever that's happened they're beginning to think right see what's happening here see the people understand the way that i present what that will trigger in them um so there's no doubt that there, there, there's, there's a backstory to to most of um the situations that arise that the, the, the cpo will get, into, will get into prison um and also you know you said you know, I myself, I've got aces. You, you know, we all have, in some part of a life, yeah. right? But you also have different influences that surround you that help mitigate those and balance them, right? And if you've got aces and you've got a chaotic lifestyle, and you've got parents who have got substance abuse issues, you've got you, you know, you've got you've got unstable accommodation, you've got challenges with family income, that um, you've got domestic violence, you're in an area of deprivation. It's very, very hard not to end up down the route that you that you take, unless someone gives you the 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 the, the confidence in the hand, the support to, to to take a different choice. You know, so that's when people say, "Yeah, well, I had aces and it didn't happen to me." You most often find that they had influences around about them that help mitigate them. So, when people are leaving prison, uh, what are the sort of biggest immediate? Practical challenges that they face that could often lead them into back into reoffending. Um, it's, it's, it's you know there's 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 a well trodden path here. Um, you know one of the things I always bang on about is can we stop letting people in on a Friday? Um, it's, a, it's you know it's just such a it just feels like such a simple thing. Now what I don't mean is let's shift it to the Thursday because then everyone goes out on the Thursday and you just get the same issue. But let's let's have better release planning. Um, in advance, mm-hmm. when 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 you when you leave prison, oh, you you the clock's ticking on that day. Um, in terms of your it could be if, you know your accommodation, um, universal credit, and getting getting that uh, set up because you can't you, you know you routinely can't do that internally because you've not got access to electronic uh, media and you, you need to do it electronically. 
Um, although Dida Weepier are trying to help in that regard. Um, getting access to uh, substance abuse services or addiction services or housing services, which all sit within the local authority sphere um, and are not non, non-integrated, if you like, with, with the through care service. So these are all big challenges. Simple things like getting someone re-registered with a doctor. The things that you and I take for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a huge amount of anxiety um, building up to that time. So we work with um, we work with people who are being liberated six months before their, their liberation date, and then we support them six months after their liberation date. You know, but you know, I, I get back to that release point. You know, if you're releasing a Friday and it's a bank holiday weekend, or you're releasing Christmas Eve, or you're releasing New Year's Eve, which happens, it's not uncommon. You know, the, the, the yeah, I mean, Rona, that seems like sorry. Sorry, I was just going to say, Rona, that, that that just seems like such an obvious thing, Rona, that we could we could fix. You know, is there there, there must be a fix around that? There, there absolutely is, and it is very obvious, and it has come up um, during evidence sessions with us, and and the government is very well aware, and the prison service are well aware of the the the, the problems of releasing people on Fridays, and and yeah, that that's not a huge expensive fix. Um, just needs organisation, and um, but the, you know the joined up services are so important um and you know sean's you know sean works with people before they leave and then after and that's exactly what has to be done um or you know you're just just storing up trouble but to go back to the um the point about aces when i sat in the children's panel it was in the east end of glasgow and there's absolutely no doubt that poverty is you know one of the biggest drivers of aces because poverty leads to in many cases um addiction and mental health problems and you know people talk about you know oh there's a huge drug problem in prison and you know prisons are riddled that's because most of the people that are in there have a drug problem you know even before they go in and it doesn't get better when they're in there um so you know that there's a whole um it's you know i say it's complex it's actually when you look at it it's it's, it's fairly um it's common sense it's fairly straightforward but when i learned about aces you know i had seen um Generations of families coming before the children's panel, um, you know, 10 years ago when I was on it. And, you know, and I used to think, well, you know, why can't this this cycle be broken, you know? And then it all fell into place when I learned more about ACEs and the, um, you know, the connection there. And, you know, that it's actually not just, there is a physical um, um consequence of ACEs, a chemical, you know, physical, chemical thing that happens in the brain when someone is subjected to, you know, neglect, you know, abuse or or, um, um, violence on a regular basis. So it's, you know, the facts are all there. We just have to learn to deal with them properly. Um, But I was going to ask Sean, um, when he was talking about the work of the WISE group, I think it was last month, a couple of months ago, I submitted a parliamentary motion to congratulate you on the work you were doing in my constituency um, in Kirk and Tillich, um, about getting people back to yeah. work. Um, and I, I wondered if, I've forgotten now the exact number, but it seemed a high number of people to me in that area. And I wondered if you maybe wanted to elaborate a wee bit on, on that. Yeah, I mean, I think that she just on on the piece of work, um, you know, particularly in the context of justice, um, there is a there is a, a fairly binary thought process, and some that they think you know a job, a job is the root out of criminality, if you like, and and for the things that you know that Rona talked about in relation to aces, it's not it's not just as simple as that. 
Um, and one of the things that we've been doing a lot of work around about is, is preparing through those identified needs, preparing people leaving prison to, to reintegrate back into society in a meaningful way, you know, and make it sustainable, you know, and, and employment may be one of those those areas. You know, we're putting thousands of people in employment across across Scotland every year. Um, you know, and, and the, the, the example that Rona, Rona talked about in Kirkintar was, you know, was particularly strong. Um, I think it was 15 or 20 at that point. And, um, you know, but the, 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 going back to the, you know, the, the working part and, you know, the, the, I, think, I think the Scottish Government have taken a, a quite a progressive approach to the, the, the bail and demand um, consultation, bail and support consultation. And that's really, really valuable. And, you know, in the PSP that we talk about New Roots and our partners, you know, we've put in, a, I think it was around about 100 qualitative responses to that, just saying this is what we've learned by supporting these people. And that's what I said about the, unless it's a, unless it's a, um, a threat to public safety, let's not, let's give people bail. Because also, think about that in relationship to, to employment, to sustainability, to relationships, to housing. You know, so it is a, I, I sometimes use these phrases, it is an ecosystem. But there, there are there are direct links and, and, and causal effects and 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 incarceration is quite a, a you know it's it's such a destructive um, decision, such a destructive decision which stigmatizes you for forever more, unfortunately, in the moment because of the cultural dialogue that we talked about earlier on. Has the has the pandemic made things more difficult, uh, Sean? I mean, you, you talk about the ecosystem and some of the services that people might need to access to get some of that help that, that you talk about, um, problems with mental health, addiction. Have they become more difficult to access because of the pandemic? Um, there's, 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 quite a, there's an odd thing here, Chris. During the pandemic, you know, that phrase, necessities is the mother of all invention. Um, during the pandemic, we just had to do things collectively. And you know what? See, when you take the, the decision-making away and the bureaucracy away, it worked. Right? When we worked with local authorities, it just worked because you had to do what you had to do to get it done. Right? Um, we adopted the use of digital technology as well as, as people, and we found a balance on that. You know, we did things like email a prisoner. Now, it sounds such a simple thing, right? but in the heritage structures of... Of, of the prison estate. It's not because of the access to electronic media. So we were talking to prisoners in advance of them being released and letting them dialogue in terms of we're interested in these things when during COVID lockdown. Getting access to the, the local authority services was much, much simpler than it was previously. You know, one of my, you know, slightly controversial for some, but one of my bugbears is mental health is one of the biggest challenges when you're, you're being released from, from, from incarceration. And most often, my colleagues will tell me of examples where someone's got substance abuse and they'll take them to the, the addiction services and they'll say, no, it's a mental health issue. And then we'll go to the mental health services and they'll say, no, it's, a, it's an addiction issue. And you just you get pointed back and forward from one service to the other. And th- that's one of the big barriers at the moment. You know, Rona talked about poverty. You know, poverty is the end result of all of these decisions. Um... In some ways, you know, there's a, there's a correlation with, with drug deaths as well in terms of the mental health support is coming out and it's getting better, but we can do so much better um, with local authorities. That, that, that integration is one that if we can culturally get, get right, 
it will have such a profound effect on the reoffending rates, on the service usage across mental health or across addiction services, across housing services, that it will, it will only have a positive impact. I mean, Rhoda, you, you, you touched on poverty, and poverty is, of course, at the root of a lot of this. We're, we're, we're seeing at the moment a, a cost of living crisis, and things are going to get a lot more difficult for a lot of families. Should we be uh, prepared for, for, for things in this particular area to get worse before they get better over the next few years? Yes, I think there'll be a huge impact in people's mental health with, with what's coming down the road. Um, do you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's quite, it's quite um, alarming to think about um, just how much the cost of living is going to go up. It's going to increase poverty and mental health um, uh, problems within within people. And, and it's just, um, the, the, the thing about it is everything that, that, that Sean just said there is absolutely correct. Um, and we have to... We, we have the people who know how to change the system. We've got the experience. We've now have the knowledge. We've got the, you know, we've got the will among third sector and, and social enterprise organisations. It's all there, you know, and um, we just have to put the pieces together. And in some ways, you know, as, as you say, the, 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 the pandemic has um, forced changes upon us, which have been, um, you know, some of them have been pretty successful. And thankfully, I think some are going to be, Staying with us, for example, um, you know, virtual virtual visits, um, you know, phones and cells, um, you know, um, you know, it's, it's possible now for um, parents to attend parents' nights in prison because it can be done via video and things. Now, these are all things that that are there that they've just never been used before, and it's been kind of um, forced upon us. And and that that's the the one good thing coming out of this. Um, of the of the pandemic, I would say, but um, yeah, I mean, it's it's um, we we just need to. I think we just need to um, work together. And as I say, we do have we do have the expertise and the the people who know how to make it work. It's just pulling it all together and um, and, and and making it work really. And I think you know we now we now know that that um, or we now perceive in Scotland uh, at least. Um, we perceive the drugs problem as a as a health problem, and, and rightly so. And I think I think you sort of you know alluded to it earlier about maybe we should be looking at the the prison system and and, and you know as a as a health a national health problem. I believe we should because mm-hmm. I, I mean no one no one sets out in life to end up in prison, um, so something's gone wrong, you know. And um, and I think if we start looking up, up upon it in those terms, always with the caveat of you know, victim safety and security and keeping people safe. And there will sadly always be a, you know, a proportion of, of people who we need we need to keep incarcerated for, for, for various reasons. Um, but the vast majority of, of, of um, prisoners do not benefit from being in prison. The public don't benefit because, because, because when they're released, you know, things don't improve. And that's why we've got such massively high um, prison numbers. So... I'm I'm really pleased that you know, that, you know, organisations like like Sean's and the Scottish government can work together, and you know we can we can start to bring about change. I just I, I'm quite impatient. I just like to see change be a bit faster. You know, and um, mm-hmm. we've been talking about it for a long time. On the bail and release consultation, it just closed in February, so I was having a wee look before before coming on today, and it's so there's a, there's 122 published responses. That's just people who give consent to you know to be made public. And I had a wee look through them and it, 
you know, sort of made you think a lot of them were not in favour um, because, and I think this is all, again what we talked about all coming down to the, the, the cultural thing of, you know, well, we won't be safe if all, if all these prisoners are, are let out. Um, I mean, I only looked at a, a, six of them, you know, of, of the things and, and a lot of them were saying, I don't agree. Mm. Um, but then that's sometimes the way of consultations. You get people with very fixed views who, who respond. Um, but um, I think it's I think it's something that is it, it, it really comes down to a matter of common sense and when you think clearly about it, um, how can we how can we make this work? You know, and, th- and thankfully, as I keep saying, we have all these people and we have um, you know women's organisations um, such as Shine and and, and well and a lot of others who 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 absolutely know how to mentor women when they come out of prison. Um, and, and they, they need that mentoring because that's the holistic um, care that, the, that they haven't had in prison. And it's no fault of the prison staff. I mean, it, I don't think any blame could be laid, laid at their door because they are they do a brilliant job, but it's it's they, they simply don't have the time or resources to do the rehabilitation that we would like them to do. And certainly, going back to the number of um, people in remand, I mean... That that's particularly damaging in a way that they can't actually engage in any um, purpose, purposeful activity because they may only be there for a short time. Sadly, more of them are, are, are there longer than they should be, and COVID hasn't helped that. But, I mean, there's literally nothing happens with, with prisoners on remand who, who may, may be innocent, and by the time that's that's proved, their life's pretty much ruined when they come out. So, um, huge problem, but um, I, I, think, I think we know some of the solutions for it, and certainly... Again, going back to the ACES thing, prevention and early intervention is the absolute key. If you can, if you can see a family in difficulty and a, a young person who, who who looks likely to be, you know, running feral and, and and sort of getting into trouble early on, just get them to do something they enjoy. You know, get them mm. to play football, get them to get them to, you know, distract them into something that they enjoy because ultimately those are not happy children. And they're not, and people, you know, adults who end up in prison have, you know, they're miserable. Nobody wants to be there. So, um, I know that's a simplistic view, but it's it's kind of the way I look at it. I think it's common sense that if you can, if you can, um, you know, tap into that before it gets to the crisis stage, and certainly custody should always be a last resort. It, sh- it should always be what can we do to avoid. Um, sending this person to prison and provided they're not a, a, a you know, risk to public safety. Yeah, I mean, Sean Rona is talking about uh, prevention, but obviously there's a lot of people that we already have in the system and she she talked about remand remand as well. I, I mean, one of the... One of the consequences of the of the pandemic has obviously been this, this sort of sizable backlog we now have in the court system and that inevitably affects people being held on remand. Um, do you think we're now approaching, uh, approaching a kind of crisis point where something has to be done, something radical has to be done to address the size of the prison population? I think, it, what it's, again, I go back to some of the, the chat that I gave you around about what we did during the pandemic. I mean, one of the things that we, we've done recently was um, to help to help government uh, address the, the backlog of community payback order hours. And we created a, a system, a, 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 a service called uh, Community Payback Order Connect, so CPO Connect. And we're working with, we've been working with kind of 12 local authorities over the last year. And we created a, a digital system where those who were on an order 
could participate in sessions, accredited sessions with our with our um, facilitators um, on the unpaid work element of their order. Uh, now, again, that's something that's that they can they can do and fit around the life. Um, it's not interrupting the life, but it's also working on the behavioural aspects of 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 what led them to be in that situation. So it's not the it's not the the I suppose the the litter picking or fence building or hole digging that people kind of traditionally culturally identify with in that regard. It's something that's directly related to the situation that they found themselves in. It led to that the, the community payback order and trying to 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 move away from that. So what it's what it, what it's what it's what it's forced us to do again that necessity to the mother of all inventions look at it differently. That's the thing, and and my worry. And my and my hope in some regards is that we don't lose the innovation that we created during the pandemic. We don't just rush back to what we did previously. You know, you, you touched on child poverty um, earlier on, and 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 you know, and it's it's very very topical at the moment. You know, helping people, helping individuals out, and helping them to a sustainable situation gives you a better chance of their children not suffering. You know, so if we if, if we look at the the, the, the interdependencies. There, um, and we think further upstream, and as, as Rona says, the intervention piece. One of the things we are doing just now is with Fraser Valander. We've just agreed with Fraser Valander over three years to research uh, effectively what the New Roots programme has done for Scotland and Scotland's justice justice system and what it's done for rehabilitation. I mean, you know, one of the things that we, we shouldn't lose sight of, and I think the Scottish Government should be rightly very proud of this, is the success of New Roots and its approach has been adopted as far afield as Australia. You know, so we have something that other people look at and cover. We just need to do more of it here. I think that that's that's hugely important because you know we're seeing a cost of living crisis now. You're seeing people come under real duress in their in their in their, in their, their family circumstances, and that pressure. You know, the support that we're providing, most often these vulnerable and marginalised societies are going to come under the most pressure. So you need that person-centred wraparound support, for want of a better expression, to make sure that they continue to have the right influences to make the right decisions. Um, we're, we're fast running out of time, but I mean, I, I just wanted to sort of finally ask you both, you know, we've kind of touched on it about how important this is for society as a whole and for Scotland as a whole um, to, to, to get this issue right. How do we get it right? How do we create a, a fairer, more more just Scotland, Rona? And, and, and why is that such an important thing to do? Okay, um, I mean, it's absolutely vital. And um, I mean, we're a small nation um, and, and we can get it right. We, we could be, you know, we could be a beacon for the rest of the world in so many ways. I mean, for instance, we, we're introducing the Barnahouse system, which is a holistic, um, you know, one-stop shop for for um, children in the justice system, children, young people in the justice system, who have been um, victims or, or you know or perpetrators of crime. Um, I visited with the justice committee um, a, a set up in uh, Oslo in, in Norway. It's it's a this is a Scandinavian concept. It's just fantastic, and you know. It's, it, it's something we should have been doing years ago instead of the this Victorian system that we have of locking up children in prisons, you know, adult prisons um, designed for adults. And um, and the whole of the, the, the you know, the, the justice system is, is, is different. Um, 
uh, over there for for young people and children. I'm, I'm passionate about trying to keep children out of prison, um, and they shouldn't be going. You know, under 18 should not be going to to Pullman or anywhere else. Um, I visited a secure unit on um, Thursday in my constituency who have, you know, a fantastic ethos of holistic care and training for young people. Um, you know, yes, that yes, they're they're in secure care, so they, they've lost their liberty. But while they're there, they will train, they will do their exams, and they will, um, you know, leave there with some with some sort of certificate or qualification that they can then go to um, a job which um, they they would never get otherwise. So I think we have to just look about, um, you know, the, the the compassion in it, and we have to um, realize that yes, we can do it as a small nation. We can absolutely transform our justice system. As I say, we do need to have the buy-in of the of the legal profession um, because we've got everything else. We've got the expertise in the form of organisations like Sean's um, and we just need that. And we need the resources. We need it to be resourced as well. Yeah. How, how important is it, Sean, for, for society as a whole that we get this right? Hugely. You know, it's, it, we just, we just, we, it just becomes a, self, a, you know, a self-fulfilling prophecy if we keep doing what we're doing. We've got all the evidence. We can look back and look at all the trends and see that you know we continually do the same thing. You know, I, I suppose I, I, it doesn't always land with everyone, but they, they, it, it, it doesn't get any simpler than incarceration should be the last resort. You know, it should be the last resort, and I, I mean, I'm really pleased that the Scottish government's vision for justice. You know, they talk about shifting the balance uh, between the use of custody and and community justice. You know, but I think. There's a greater understanding required of what does community justice mean? You know, it's, it's still it's still justice, but it's not in a it's not in a custodial setting. You know, and we're not taking people who most often are broken or are coming from homes that are broken or communities that are broken and criminalising them even more. You know, and and we are at our heart a compassionate country. We just we, we need to bring our level of compassion and justice up to the same levels we've got everywhere else in our society. And if we do if we manage to do that. We'll see a difference in, in the, the outcomes that the justice system deliver. That's great. Well, that's that's been really fascinating. Thank you both uh, for, for joining me today. And thank you all for listening. <laughs> <laughs>